let's go tonight to Psalms. We're going to start at Psalms 103, verse 1. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Now let's stop right there. He says we're to bless the Lord, but he said with all that is within us. You know, you can bless the Lord sometimes and do it off the surface of your heart. The psalmist said, I'm going to bless the Lord with everything that's within me, with all that I am, with all that I have. Glory to God. I'm going to do that. We've been given some instructions. You just have to excuse my voice. I strained it a couple days ago, but it's going to be all right. So just a little squeaky. I don't normally sound so Minnie Mouse-ish, um, <clears throat> but it is what it is. All right. We've been given some instructions for this year from the Lord himself. And what is it we're supposed to be redoing? Supposed to be doing. Rejoicing. Rejoicing. Got the re in the wrong place. Rejoicing. When I looked that word up in Merriam-Webster's dictionary app on my phone today, to rejoice means to rejoy. How many of you know the Lord has done such great things for us? But every now and then the world will try to wear us out. Try to cause us not to be joyed anymore. But when we focus our attention on him and remind ourselves of everything that he's done for us, then that is when we get the opportunity to rejoy, to rejoy. Glory to God. Has he done anything for any of you? I tell you, he's amazing. He's amazing. I can't imagine getting out of bed in the morning without knowing him. I wouldn't want to get out of bed in the morning without him in my life. According to my dictionary app, joy me is the emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune. Is there anyone here who, because of God, has experienced well-being, success, or good fortune in any area of your life? That knowledge of what God has done for you should evoke the emotion of joy in you. And I know, I know joy is something that transcends even feelings. How many of you know even when things are hard, you can be grateful and you can rejoice at what God has done for you? I tell you, if nothing else, if you're born again, you're not going to hell. That alone right there is enough for us to spend the rest of our lives rejoicing in him because of what he's done. The dictionary app goes on to say... Um, the emotion, joy, is the emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. How many of you believe that you will possess whatever God said he would do for you? Glory to God, whether you've seen it yet or not, you believe. And in that believing, you can rejoice because it's coming, bless God. Bless God, that blessing is coming. It doesn't matter, oh, what it looks like. It doesn't matter what it feels like. Glory to God. We know that he is not a man that he should lie. If he said it, he'll do it. He said, not one word that I speak will ever return to me uh, unfulfilled, but it will do that which I sent it to do. Glory to God. Woo! We're the only loose cannon in that equation. 
So whether you're currently experiencing the blessing of God or you're confident that you will yet receive what he has promised you, the thought of both of those things should evoke joy in you. So what I want you to do is this is an audience participation night. I'm going to ask you to stand up in just a minute and I want you to think of something he's done for you or something that you know he's about to do for you. And I want us to just rejoice and thank him. Glory to God. But I want you to do like the psalmist. I want you to do it with everything that's within you. Don't just give him the surface of your heart. Deep calls out for deep. If you want the deep things of God, you've got to dig down deep and give him the, the, uh, the deep things of you. You know, it's like uh, my husband makes vegetable soup. He's got his grandma's recipe of vegetable beef soup. And what happens is as he cooks this soup, all the good stuff settles down to the bottom. You know what I mean? If you get down to the bottom of the, of the pot, that's where the meat is. That's where the potatoes and the vegetables are. All on top is just the broth. Listen, you don't want to give God just the broth off the top of your heart. You need to take the ladle of your tongue and dig down deep to give him everything that he deserves. So this is audience participation night. So let's stand up. I want you to think of something that you're grateful that he's done for you or something you know he's about to do for you. And let's rejoice. Yes! Ah! Oh, I rejoice in you, my Savior. Glory to God. Glory, 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 glory. Oh, how grateful we are, God. How grateful we are, God. in you. We rejoice. We rejoice. We rejoice. We rejoice. We rejoice in you. Ha 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 ha. Oh. Thank you for it, Father. Thank you for it, Father. Ha ha ha. Oh, we love you and we're so grateful. Hear, hear our praise. Hear our praise coming up from Madison, Alabama tonight. Oh, we're grateful and we're expectant. We're grateful and we're expectant. We're grateful for what you've done and expectant of that which you're about to do. Ah, ha, ha. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You can have a seat for just a minute. Psalms 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. How many of you have a job? With that job usually will come a salary offer. Heavens, you can go to McDonald's and earn $15 an hour now. How many of you know... Anyway, uh, that's pretty good. Um, but along with that salary comes a benefits package. And what's in that benefits package? Holiday pay, vacation pay, 
uh, uh, sick time, uh, paid sick time, uh, uh, retirement plan, maybe health insurance. How many of you know that benefit package it is just part of what you get when you go to work for that company? It's in addition to your salary. It's just an extra benefit package that you get. Well, how many of you know God's got his own benefits package? A whole bunch of stuff came with your salvation that you might not have even realized. But tonight, we're fixing to tear it all apart and look at everything that is part of his benefits package. Glory to God. Let's go to Psalm 68, 19. It says, blessed be the Lord, or blessed be the Lord, who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation, Selah. Glory to God. How many of you know the psalmist is blessing the Lord? Why? Because he daily, how often? Daily. 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 He has a new load of benefit for you. You know what that means? If you exasperated the Lord yesterday and think you've exhausted his patience, today you get another whole load. Glory to God. Glory to God. How often does he give us these benefits? Daily. A new load. Every day. Lamentations. Now there's somewhere I don't go very much. Lamentations 3.22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. How many of you know that's true? We're still breathing because he's merciful. Because his compassions, they fail not. Verse 23. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, my God. Great is your faithfulness. His mercies are new Every morning. I want us to look at that in the New Living. It says, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. 23. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Glory to God. You get a fresh new batch of mercy every single morning. And not just mercy to put up with you, but mercy. He, the Bible says healing is a mercy. Healing is a mercy. It's everything we don't deserve that he's given us anyway. Psalm 68, 19 said, Blessed be the Lord who daily, daily loads us with benefits. He loads us. It doesn't say he's going to give us a few scraps. No, he daily loads us with benefits. A load is however much you can carry. He daily loads us with benefits. Even the God of our salvation, Selah, which means pause and think on these things. You know what you need to do? Every morning, you need to back your truck up to the loading dock of God. Boop, 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 boop. Get your load for the day. Glory to God. Glory to God. You might as well. It's a new load every day. 
You don't have to let any of it go to waste. You get a new load every single day. Load me up, God. I need your mercy today. I need your grace. I need your goodness. I need your compassions. And I thank you, Lord, you fill us up to overflowing with your benefit and your blessing. So, let's take a minute. Thank him for the new load of blessing every day. Thank you, Lord. You can stand up, you can sit down, you can do whatever you want. But if you're going to sit down, you still need to raise your voice. Thank you, Lord. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, for our new load of benefits that we have every day, Father. Oh, blessing, blessing, compassion, mercy. Your mercies are new every day to us. They're new every day to us. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, we rejoice. We rejoice. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for our benefits package. Thank you, Lord, for the benefit package that came with our salvation. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, glory to God. That ought to cause you to rejoice. Glory to God. Psalms 103.1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Why would he say forget not? Because we tend to be forgetful. Verse 3. Let's look at some of the benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Let's just stop right there. Glory to God. Glory to God. The forgiveness of all of our sins comes with our benefits package. That word all is kol, K-O-L in the Hebrew, which means the whole. Glory to God. He forgives the whole of our iniquity. It means the whole. Uh, let me, I lost my place. The whole, all, any or every. He forgives all of our iniquities, which means our sin. And he forgives the whole of that sin. All of our sin. Any sin and every sin. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. You know, we're the ones who rate sin. Oh, this is just a little white lie. And this sin over here, it's much bigger. A sin is a sin is a sin is a sin. But they're all forgiven. They're all forgiven. When you go and you receive him as your Savior and you make him the Lord of your life, part of that benefit package that you got that day is letting go of all of that sin. You traded with him. You gave him your sin. He gave you his righteousness. Glory to God. We got the best end of that deal, I guarantee it. If this one benefit of salvation was the only benefit of salvation, it would be worth it to serve the Lord. Just to have a clear conscience. Just to lay your head down on your pillow at night and sleep like a baby knowing that you're right with God Amen. and that everything between you and God is good Amen. and knowing that all of your sins 
all of them have been forgiven and that God has nothing on you, that he's not forgiven. There's nothing between you and God. You can lay your head down on the pillow and sleep like a baby, knowing that you and God are good. Just for the clear conscience, it would be worth it to serve God. It's priceless. So many people are so racked with guilt and shame. They hate themselves. They're tormented in their minds by their own sins or maybe even just their own imperfections. But God. But God. That's my two favorite words in the Bible. But God. Why? Because but God answers any situation. We were lost and undone without a Savior going to hell. But God. Glory to God. I, I, I was uh, uh, guilt-ridden, shameful, sh full of shame. Uh, you know, hated myself for all my sin, but God. My kids were hit with a stupid stick, and they're out doing dumb stuff, but God. But God. It means what well, God is the answer to whatever's going on. I tell you, you may not feel like you have enough money to do what you need to do, but God, it answers every situation. I tell you, the devil, we've been struggling. We haven't, but I'm just using this as an example. Uh, we, you know, maybe a couple is struggling in their marriage and the devil tells them, this time is not going to work. You're not going to work it out. It's going to end in divorce. I tell you, it may look dark, but God, but God. I tell you, he, mm, glory to God. Devil, or the doctor even says, it looks bad. But God. But God. Pastor read that in Ephesians 2 last week, and I was sitting on the front row squirming. I was so excited. This is my favorite two words in the whole Bible. And he, he mentioned them here in Ephesians, so let's go there. Ephesians 2, we're going to start at verse 1. And you hath he quickened or made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. How many of you know that's us? That's who we were. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, but he has made us alive. Verse two, wherein in time past you walked, in time past you walked this way, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, that spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. Verse 3, among whom also we all had our conversation. That's a word that's changed meanings since the King James Bible was written in 1611. That word conversation there is your manner of life. It's not talking about a verbal conversation. Among whom we all had our uh, manner of life in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. How many of you know that's who we were? Before Jesus, all we did was live by what our emotions needed, by what our body desired, by what our brain could dream up. And we were led around by the devil, by our nose, and we didn't even know it. But how many of you know, uh, you know... It always is amazing to me when people said, I just got to be me. But the me they want to be is the lowest version of them there is. 
I just got to be me, but the me I want to be is the best version of me with him in me. I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. That should be our motto. Glory to God. I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. The one who created you tells you who you are. What are you looking at the lowest level of you for? Anyway, I digress. But it's true. Verse 4. How many of you know that's who we were? That's how we lived. But God. But God. Who is rich in mercy. He doesn't just have a little bit of mercy. He is rich in mercy. Glory to God. For his great love. He has great love for you. He has great love for you. He has great mercy for you. He is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. Verse 5. Even when we were dead in our sins, he hath quickened us or made us alive together with Christ. By grace you are saved. One more. And he hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Jesus, when he finished his work on the earth, sat down on the right hand of God. The disciples, they watched him go. And he went up into heaven and he put his blood on the mercy seat. And he made an atonement. And then he sat down right next to the Father because he had completed his work. And you know what? You were raised up with him. And you're now sitting there in him at the right hand of the Father far above, far above all principalities, powers, might, and dominion. They're all under your feet. Glory to God. And he's given you the authority to keep them there. Glory to God. How many of you know we were lost and undone? Sinners not deserving anything from God, but God, but God. Salvation was his idea. Glory to God. When he went to Adam and Eve and he came after they sinned and the Bible says they hid themselves uh, among the trees. How many of you know he knew where they were? He knew where they were. But he didn't wait for them to repent. He came. He came looking for them. He knew what they'd done. The instant their teeth pierced the skin of that fruit, God knew. But he came. And he came calling for them. And he said, Adam, did you eat the fruit of that tree? I he knows they ate the fruit. But he asks anyway, why? Because he wants Adam to talk to him. Eventually, Adam said... It was the woman you gave me. She gave me the fruit, and I did eat because I can't disobey the little woman. He blamed her, and he blamed God. It was the woman you gave me. You gave her to me. What would have happened if he'd have run to God and repented? Father, I, I know you told us not to eat from that one tree. 
Father, we ate. I'm so sorry. I take full responsibility. We'll never know because that's not what I did. But God didn't wait till they repented or till they were even willing to take responsibility for what they'd done. He loved us while we were all together unlovely. Listen, he watched you all of your life while you wandered in darkness, where you went from relationship to relationship, where you went from mess up to mess up, where you went from sin to sin, trying to find something that would pacify that ache in your soul, trying to find something that would fill that empty space on the inside of you. And he watched you the whole time. And he kept saying, over here. Finally, he sent somebody to tell you, and good for you for listening. But he didn't wait until you came to him. Salvation was his idea. Forgiveness of sins. Wiping out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us was his idea. Wow. He wanted your conscience to be clear. So that you could be free. So that you could be free. He wanted you to accept who he now says you are, which is the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Glory to God. That's who you are now. I tell you, if the forgiveness of all of your sins was the only benefit of serving God, it would be worth it just for that. Totally lost my place here. I want to look at that in the Amplified Classic. Ephesians 2.1. And you he made alive when you were dead, slain by your own trespasses and sins. Ooh, that's a little writing. In which at one time you walked habitually. You are following the course and fashion of this world. You are under the sway of the tendency of this present age. Listen, we got to be careful. That we don't get under the sway of the tendency of this present age. Listen, they are ratcheting up the power. Trying to force us to squeeze into their mold and what they want us to be. But I tell you, I don't care what they say. They, they don't have the answers. They're just as lost as everybody else. I got so aggravated the other night. I was watching these knuckleheads on TV and why I stopped there only the Lord knows and I wish to heaven I wouldn't have. They were saying the dumbest things uh, uh, of why we Christians do things. They, they were like, uh, you go to church and you cry and you feel like that's the spirit of God. No, they found certain chords that just make you cry. Really. Okay, go to the piano and find me them chords and I'm gonna stand here. It's not the chords, it's the man. It's the king. It's the Lord who's tugging at your heart, who wants to change your life, who wants to love away your hurts, who wants to give you that good life that he's preordained for you to walk in. And they can try to explain it away and they can make all these stupid things. But it's just not even based in reality. And you can't be swayed by that. 
It's ignorant, talking about things they don't understand. Anyway, we were under the sway of the tendency of this present age, following the prince of the power of the air. You were obedient to and under the control of the demon spirit that still constantly works in the sons of disobedience the careless, the rebellious, and the unbelieving who go against the purposes of God. Verse 3. Oh, some more small writing. Among these, we as well as you once lived and conducted ourselves in the passions of our flesh, our behavior governed by our corrupt, corrupt and sensual nature, obeying the impulses of the flesh and the thoughts of the mind, our cravings dictated by our senses and our dark imaginings. We were then by nature children of God's wrath and heirs of his indignation like the rest of mankind. I don't even know why I'm saying this, maybe because Pastor Mark's out there tonight, but they brought me out to the youth group years ago to speak on the subject of sex. And so I told the young men, I said, you know, having sex every day don't make you a man. Having sex don't make you a man. I said, dogs do it every day. <laughs> what makes you a man is having the ability to keep yourself under control and respect the woman that God gave to be with you. Yielding to that lower nature doesn't make you above anything. Anyway, why am I off on? I have no idea. Give me the next verse before I get in trouble. But God. But God. I went, again, I went out there to talk to the youth about sex. And uh, I had some props with me. <laughs> they weren't bad. They weren't bad. Uh, but Robert's like, you brought props? <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I did. But it wasn't bad. Uh, anyway, I'm not going to go into it because that's not my sermon tonight. But God, <laughs> who's so rich, so rich is he in his mercy because of and in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love with which he loved us. Verse 5. Even when we were dead, slain by our own shortcomings and trespasses, he made us alive together in fellowship and in union with Christ. He, gives, he gave us the very life of Christ himself, the same new life with which he quickened him. For it is by grace, his favor and mercy, which you did not deserve, that you are saved. You didn't deserve it, but you got it anyway. Glory to God. You didn't deserve it, but we got it anyway. Glory to God. For it's by that grace that you are saved, delivered from judgment and made partakers of Christ's salvation. I think it goes one more. And he raised us up together with him and made us sit down together, giving us joint seating with him in the heavenly sphere by virtue of our being in Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one. Can you take one more? I want us to look at this in the message and it's much shorter. Look at it in the message. It wasn't so long ago that, oh, you're starting at verse one. Let's start at, uh, all right. It wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. 
You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, try to tell you how to live. Listen, you filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. You can't take it in. You can't take it in. It's deadly. We all did it, all of us, doing what we felt like doing, when we felt like doing it, all of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all this on his own help, on his own, with no help from us. Then he picked us up and set us down in highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. What, What am I doing? What is my point? Forgiving our sins, washing us clean from all of our iniquity was his idea. It was his idea to put that in your benefit package. Glory to God. He's wiped it all away once you're born again. He's washed you clean. Glory to God. Everything that you were and was nailed to the cross that day with Jesus. Once you receive him, it's all gone. It's all gone. It's all gone. You can live free with a clean conscience. How could you live if you never made a mistake? How could you live if you had never known guilt or shame? I tell you, that's how you ought to live because that's how God sees you now and how you legally are in his sight. It's gone. Embrace who you are now. That's why it it annoys pastor. And every time he says it, I'm like, "Eh," because I know what... It drives him crazy when people say, oh, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. How many of you know we were a sinner? We were saved by grace. All of that is absolutely the truth. But that's not who we are anymore. That's not who we are anymore. All that's been washed away. Glory to God. If you identify yourself as a sinner, sinner's sin. That's not who you are. That's who you were. Now you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are a son and daughter of the Most High God. Washed clean, fresh start, just as if you never committed a sin. Glory to God. That's who you now are. That's who you now are. Being washed clean and having a clear and clean conscience towards God and our fellow man is priceless. Absolutely priceless. Priceless. To lay your head on your pillow at night and sleep like a baby knowing that you're right with God and you're right with the world. There's nothing like it. Let's go back to Psalms 103. Looking at our benefit package. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Glory to God. If that was the only one, that'd be worth it. Who healeth all thy diseases. Healing of your physical diseases are part of the benefit package which came with our salvation. That word all, who heals all your diseases, is our word kol, K-O-L, which means the whole, all, any or every. 
The whole of your diseases, all of your diseases, any of your diseases and every disease. What a fabulous promise from God. 1 Peter 2.24. Who his own, own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we, being dead now to sin, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Yeah. He took stripes upon his back. They beat him mercilessly. I don't know if you've seen that movie, The Passion of the Christ. But I'll tell you, I, I, I know not all of it, it can be proved by Scripture. Most of it is one. I mean, we're like 95% really good. Uh, there's maybe that few little things in there, but they can't be proved by the Scripture. But anyway, I sat in that theater and I watched them beat him. And I wept. And I wept. And at one point, he'd kind of fallen over the, the, the thing. They'd beat him so mercilessly. And he'd lost so much blood. You see him, and he stands up. The Bible says he gave his back to the smiters. I sat in that theater, and I said, Jesus, if you did that for me, I'll never just roll over and embrace sickness again. I don't care if I do have use or lose sick days. I'm going to fight it with everything that's within me because you paid such a high price for me to be free of this. If you did that for me, I'm not just going to take it anymore. Isaiah 53, 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. And those stripes are from where he was beaten with that cat of nine tails. And it left bloody stripes across his back. Matthew 8, 16. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word. And he healed all that were sick. Healing of our diseases is in the benefit package of our salvation. Now listen, some healings are instantaneous. How many of you know those are my favorite kind? Others are a process over time. They were healed as they went. But regardless of which it is, healing is yours. It's part of the benefit package you received when you received Jesus. Pastor Rhonda, do you think God still heals? Oh, do I got a story for you tonight. This is a true story. You see that little funny looking flag over there? That's the flag of Nepal. Underneath it is our missionary to Nepal. Her name is Tony Haskell. Well, two years ago, a little over two years ago, Tony called me and she said, Pastor Rhonda, I need people who know how to pray to agree with me and I need you to agree right now. I'm like, okay, girl, I don't know what's going on, but you, I'm with you. Uh, she said, uh, uh, my grandson, who is a long distance runner, he's 15, 16, maybe 16 at the time. Uh, I think he was 16. He was just in a terrible, terrible car accident. And they don't know if he's going to live. It's possible he's a quadriplegic. 
Uh, and he, I don't even know if, if he's going to live. And, and I need somebody who knows faith who will agree with me. And I said, you got it, girlfriend. I'm on it. And I was like, man, if that was my, if that was my grandchild, I would want somebody to, to take it so serious. And so I did take it serious. I said, listen, I am making a deal with you. I'm going to help you pray till that boy is running again. That was two years ago. So we were in the car. Pastor Mark and I were going somewhere just after it happened. We were driving. I don't know where we were driving. A long trip. And while we were driving, we were praying. And we were praying for him. And we were believing God. And Pastor Mark, he said, I see, I see. Something, uh, something is, is got a rip in it, in his body that they haven't found. And because and, uh, she called me, she said, he doesn't look like he's going to live. They can't figure out what's going on. He's spiking a fever. He's just so, he is so messed up, Rhonda. And I'm like, girl, we are on it. Uh, and, and so he said, Pastor Mark said, by the spirit of God, there's a rip on the backside of something. It's bleeding into him and they haven't found it yet. Um, and, and so, I mean, we, I called her right away and I told her and so she told her daughter and so they ran MRIs and they did what they knew to do, but they couldn't see it because it was on the backside of something. So we just started praying. We said, Lord, they got to find it. They got to find it. So whatever they have to do to find that. And a few days later, she called us and she said, they were, they were uh, running a scope and uh, looking around because they couldn't figure out where, where the bleeding was coming from. And she said, they were just about to pull it out and caught a glimpse of something on the backside of one of his organs. He had a laceration that now had abscessed. And I mean, he, it was, he was just so bad. And, and so they got that under control. They started, they repaired that. They, you know, then they started giving him antibiotics to stave off everything that had happened. And, uh, but uh, he then was a quadriplegic at 16. Couldn't move his arms, couldn't move his legs from the neck down. He was a quadriplegic. He's a long-distance runner. I told her, I said, no. 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 Mm-mm-mm-mm. Noble will run again. Noble will run again. Noble will run again. She said, okay. And, and you know, her, uh, she's a woman of faith. And, and um, I won't go into too many details because I know some details about the family, but I don't have to go into all that. Uh, but, you know, they were, they were believing God. And uh, so slowly over the months, he started getting a little bit of feeling back in one leg. And then he got a little bit of feeling back in one arm. And then, you know, uh, he got a little bit of feeling back in the other leg. And then he got a little bit of feeling back, you know, from the knees up. Uh, got another, uh, got a little bit of feeling back in his, in his other arm. And I mean, this is over a process of months, maybe a year. And then all of a sudden he could move his toes. And they, they didn't do anything to make, you know, understand? There's nothing they can do. He broke his neck. He broke at a point that left him quadriplegic. But God. But God. Every now and then she'd send me videos. They had a website set up where you could go in and check on his progress. And I checked on him and I prayed. And I agreed with her all these years. And I know many, many people were doing that. Um, and pretty soon she sent me a picture of him in physical therapy. And they were getting him up on his feet out of his wheelchair. He, you know, he was you know, just trying to stand. You know, he couldn't stand on his own. But he, but he was on his legs. And then uh, a few months later, there was a picture of him taking a step. 
Now, two years later, I had a video, but I was afraid we'd get in trouble with YouTube or wherever this video was posted, so I didn't do it, but I did get a picture. You can put my picture up. Just in the last few days, he graduated high school, walked across with the aid of a, with the aid of a cane, but he walked. He stood and he walked and he got his, walked across and got his diploma. Glory to God. And you know what? It's not done yet because Noble will run again. Noble will run again in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Don't tell me that God doesn't still heal. It is too late. You are too late. I have seen him do it. I have seen him do it. Time after time after time. When the doctor says there's nothing else that I can do. Glory to God. That is prime time for our faith to kick in. The, the God of the impossible. The God of the impossible will do the impossible. God is using his story as a platform for him to minister off of. Destiny was telling me he was on the Today Show not long ago. His video from the Today Show has got so many millions of views or something. I tell you, he is on TV. They've interviewed him. I t hmm. But God... But God, it is too late for you to tell me God doesn't still heal. Healing is part of your benefits package. Who heals all of your diseases. And I wish it was all instantaneous. How many of you know that was a lot of pain for him? As he's going through therapy and learning to use muscles again and I don't know who that Marvel guy is that got ran over by the snowplow. But he said, y'all know who I mean? He said this. He said, pain is progress. How many of you know in physical therapy that's true? Pain is progress. But so is faith. And it's a whole world that's painless. Glory to God. He's walking. He walked across the stage and got his diploma with the rest of the students in his school. And Noble will run again. So what I want you to do is I want you to stand and I want you to thank God for those last two things. We are not done. Don't, no, this is my end. Don't gather your things. Uh, this is just the audience participation, okay? So I want you to thank God that all your sins have been washed away, that, that it's gone. And I want you to thank God for healing that's still part of your covenant to this day. Lord, we thank you. Oh, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you, oh, that you washed away all of our sins. You washed away all of our iniquities, Father. Oh, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for peace in my mind. I am so grateful for rest, Father. I am so grateful to know that all my sins are washed away, that I have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. 
And I am so grateful that you are still a healer today, that you still have promised that you would heal all of our diseases, Father. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Ah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And noble will run again. We set our faith together with him. Noble will run again. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Glory to God. Woo! What else is in our benefits package? Well, I'm glad you asked. We're about to finish up, I promise. Psalms 103, verse 4. Who redeems thy life from destruction. Let's stop right there. Aren't you glad he redeems your life from destruction? To redeem is to buy back. How many of you know he bought us back from destruction? I won't ask how many of you have invited destruction into your life B.C. before Christ. But aren't you glad he was able to deliver you out of and buy you back from that destruction. That car accident caused widespread destruction in Noble's body and in Noble's life. Can you imagine being 15 and being told you'll never be able to move again from your neck down? A runner, an athlete. I can't imagine the struggle in his mind. But God. But God brought his life, bought his life back for him. With the precious blood of his one and only son, he redeemed him from destruction. He redeemed his life, literally, from destruction. We don't have to live in the pit of a destroyed life. Jesus will redeem us back with his own blood. He delivers our life, redeems our life from destruction. If you have destruction in any arena of your life, I tell you, you have positioned yourself for the suddenlies of God. And he promised he would redeem our life from destruction. Last half of that verse says, he crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. I am somewhat of a blingy girl. I like a little bling. I think everybody needs a little bling. I am one of those people that drive my husband nuts who has some interest in the royal family in England. I'm not a huge fan, but I have some mild interest. Uh, I don't know if it's the little girl in me, the princess, you know, someday my prince will come. I don't know if it's all that or what it is, uh, but I do have a mild interest in what goes on over there. And I have, <laughs> I won't say what my husband says, but I have seen pictures of Queen Elizabeth before she passed away, uh, just without a crown. And I saw pictures of Queen Elizabeth with her crown on. How many of you know her crown is good? She looked good. She can rock that thing. You understand what I'm saying? And now, uh, King Charles, uh, I saw pictures of him with a crown on. He doesn't wear a crown very much. He's, he's, he looks fine without it. But how many of you know he looks better with that crown on his head? And Princess Kate, you know, uh, she's a beautiful girl. She really is a beautiful young lady. 
But how many of you know, I've seen pictures of her where she has a crown on her head. She's even more beautiful, stunning, stunning with that tiara uh, of, of, of jewels and bling on her head. Well, the Lord said he crowns us, but he crowns us with his loving kindness and tender mercies. That's what he crowns us with. Oh, yeah, I did it. How many of you know he crowns us? I hope it looks all right. With loving kindness and tender mercies. When you look at a king or a queen or a princess, and you can see that they are that because you can see their crown. People can see the loving kindness of God in your life. People can see the tender mercies of God in your life. Glory to God. They'll see the answered prayer. They'll see the things he does for you. It is visible. It's visible that he's crowned you with his loving kindness and his tender mercies. Glory to God. Everybody looks better in bling. I had to tone it down after I married Pastor Martin. When I first married him, in my estimation, that's what a pastor's wife should look like. I wore sequins and sparkles and bling, and finally, I just thought, no. I don't need all that. Every now and then, though, I get a little bling. Every now and then I wear a sparkly outfit because everybody needs a little bling. Everybody looks better with bling. How many of you know you got spiritual bling? You got spiritual bling. Glory to God. He crowns you. He crowns you with his loving kindness and his tender mercies. I tell you, you can just stay there, but let's, let's lift our voice for a minute. He redeems our life from destruction and crowns us with his loving kindness and tender mercies. Father, we rejoice tonight over the fact that you have redeemed our life from destruction and you have crowned us with loving kindness and tender mercies. Father, we wear it with an honor. It's our honor to be called the sons and the daughters of the Most High God. We count it an honor because it is not of us. You grafted us into your family. You placed the crown upon our head, Father. You're the one who gave it to us. It's part of our benefits package, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Psalms 103, verse 5. He satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The NIV says, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Psalms 145, 16. We're about to go. Well, I guess it's summer. We don't have to hurry, do we? No, we will. I won't keep you. 145, 16. It says, thou openest thine hand, referring to the Lord, and satisfies the desire of every living thing. How many of you know he opens his hand to you? 
He opens his hand. He opens his hand. Sometimes we think, you know, God's got what I need, but, but he's got it tight in his hand, and he's hiding his hand behind his back, and maybe if I pray enough, maybe if I get enough people praying, I can, I can, I can you know, wrestle it around and then pry open his fingers. How many of you know that ain't how it is? He opens his hand. His hand is open to you for whatever you need. And I'm not taking this off. Don't let it distract you because I have no idea what I did to my hair. All right? Just don't let it distract you. He opens his hand and he satisfies the desires of every living thing. When I was in Bible school, I met a lady who had some, I don't know if it was an accident or what happened, but she died. And they took her to the hospital. And at the hospital, after a while, like 5, 10, 15 minutes, they were able to revive her. But in the meantime, she went to heaven. And she saw Jesus. And she was telling me about it one day. And she said, Rhonda, she said, the moment I looked into Jesus' eyes, every desire I ever had was met. Every yearning for something that I ever had was met just by looking in his eyes. Glory to God. He satisfies the desire of every living thing. I was witnessing to, to a guy when I was in high school, and I was like, you know, you need to come to church with me. And he's like, I can't go to church because I like to party. And I said, well, why do you like to party? And he said, I like to party because I like drinking and I like to be with my friends. And I said, why? And he said, well, because, you know, uh, and then uh, he explained and then I said, why? And then he explained and I said, why? And we got back like 10 whys. And, and finally he said, because there's just something in here that I need. I said, that's what he'll meet. Don't worry about the partying. Let him fix that. And the partying's going to fall off. I heard a minister say one time, I'm doing all the drugs I want to do. You know how many I'm doing? None, because I don't want to. He said, I'm having all the illicit relationships I want. You know how many I'm having? None, because I don't want it. How many of you know he can satisfy you? That that you're trying to fill with, with the yearning for money and position or find at the end of a bottle or find at the you know, end of a syringe, that that you're looking for so desperately and going from relationship to relationship to relationship, he satisfies that. You'll find satisfaction for that in him. It's not at the end of your bottle. It's not in another relationship. It's not anywhere you've been looking. It's in him. He satisfies the desire of every living thing. His hand is open to you. Verse 6, 103, 6. Almost done. The Lord executed righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. 
God takes up the cause of the oppressed. Did you hear me? He takes up the cause of the oppressed. He executes righteousness and judgment in every circumstance where one of his kids is being oppressed. Things not fair in your life? God promised to execute righteousness and judgment for all of his kids that the enemy and people try to oppress. When they're picking on you, they're picking on your daddy. Paul was persecuting the church. He was on the road to Emmaus, Emmaus, Damascus. Jesus appeared in a bright light, so bright it knocked him off his animal, knocked him down. The voice said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? How many of you know Jesus took that personal? That Saul was oppressing and, and in, 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 in imprisoning his people. He said, why are you persecuting me? He said, who are you, Lord? That's how serious Jesus took this. That's how serious Jesus takes it when you're oppressed, when you're not treated fair, when things don't go right. Hmm. Verse 7. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The children of Israel saw him from afar and they could tell you about his behavior, but Moses knew his ways. Moses was close to God, knew what he thought, knew what he was likely to do because he didn't just know his acts, he knew his ways. I don't know about you, but I want to be so close, I can know my father's ways. Verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. Glory to God. The, this verse I'm about to read is about the children of Israel in the desert. Nehemiah 9.16. But they and our fathers, the people in the desert, dealt proudly and they hardened their necks and they hearkened not to thy commandments and they refused to obey. Neither were they mindful of thy wonders that thou didst among them, but they hardened their necks and in their rebellion they appointed a captain to return to their bondage. They even appointed somebody to take them back to the place where they were held in bondage. But thou art a God ready to pardon, gracious, merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and thou forsookest them not. They wanted to go back into their bondage, their suffering. I won't ask you how many of you may have been tempted to go back into sin, but what would you go back to? They'd have been slaves. They'd have been, you think they were treated bad before? What are you going back to? Sin, bondage, suffering? It's like a sign I saw in a garbage truck one time. Satisfaction guaranteed or double your garbage back. 
That's the kind of guarantee the devil give you. Who wants that? What, what would you go back to? At one point in Jesus' ministry, a lot of folks left him because they didn't understand some things he said. And he asked the disciples, are you going to leave me too? And I think it was Peter who said, where would we go? Where would we go? You have the words of life. What would we go back to? Sin, bondage, suffering, guilt, shame? Who wants that? There's nothing to go back to. Psalms 145 verse 8, the Lord is gracious, full of compassion, slow to anger, and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. Joel 2.12, therefore also now saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart, and with fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your heart, not your garments. How many of you know he doesn't want an outward display of repentance? He wants repentance in our hearts. He doesn't want us to rend our clothes for our sins. He wants us to rend our hearts. Turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. Joel 2.12, out of the message. The message is a paraphrase. It's not a translation. I wouldn't recommend you study out of it. But sometimes he says things in just the way that we can really get them. Uh, in Joel 2.12, this is my last scripture. But there's also this. It's not too late. That's God's personal message. Listen, it's not too late. If you're above ground and you're breathing, it's not too late. Come back to me and really mean it. Come back to me and really mean it. Another scripture says you'll find me when you search for me with all of your heart. All of your heart. Come back to me and really mean it. Come fasting and weeping. Sorry for your sins. Change your life, not just your clothes. Come back to God, your God, and here's why. Because God is kind and merciful. He takes a deep breath. I'm sure. How many of you ever made the Lord take a deep breath? <sighs> I'm certain I have. The Bible says the Lord chastens those he loves. Lord, he loves me. He takes a deep breath. He puts up with a lot. This most patient God, extravagant in love, always ready to cancel catastrophe. How many of you know he's always ready to cancel catastrophe? Now listen, you don't have to wait till you're at the brink of catastrophe. But if you are, but as long as you're still breathing, it is not too late. You can come home and he wants you to come home. Even this night, he wants you to come home because he loves you. And he's already paid for your sin. He's already washed it all away. He is slow to anger, rich in mercy, crowns you with loving kindness and goodness. He's a good God. 
but he wants you to come to him with all your heart, with everything that you are. Give him everything. I double dog dare you. Your life will never be the same. You deal with God's surface, he'll give you surface in return. You give him the deep of you, you'll get the deep of God. Forever changing your life. It's not too late. That's his personal message. But you've got to come to him. Give him everything. He'll change your life. He'll give you this benefit package that comes with your salvation. Glory to God. So I want you to close your eyes and bow your head for just a second. If there's anybody in here who needs to come home tonight, I want to give you that opportunity. Listen, God loves you. He's not mad at you. If God wanted sinners punished, all he had to do was leave us alone. We were going to be lost in our sin, live miserable lives, die and go to hell and get what we deserved. But he wasn't content to leave us there. He sent his only son into the earth to take on flesh so that he could die for our sins so that we don't have to go to hell, so that we don't have to be punished for our sins. But you've got to receive that uh, uh, pardon. You've got to receive his pardon of your sins. He's not going to force it on you. But he wants to give it to you tonight. Is there anybody in this building who needs to come home tonight? You need to come back to Father God. Let him lavish his love on you. Or maybe you've never received him ever, but you want to know him. You want to receive him tonight. Is there anybody who wants to receive him for the very first time tonight? Looking across. Maybe there's somebody at home. Listen, let's pray. Church, let's help them. If you're at home and you need to come home, or you're watching me somehow, uh, you, and you need to come home tonight, whether it's for the first time or whether you've just been away for a while and you need to come home. I, I want you to pray this, but I want you to pray it with all of your heart. And he said, when you search for him with all of your heart, you'll find him. And so, church, we're going to help you. Let's all pray it together. Say, Father God, Father God I, believe I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he took on flesh, that he died for my sins, that he was raised from the dead and seated at your right hand. And he did all of that to pay for my sins. So Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I receive you as my Savior. And I make you the Lord of my life. And I'm coming home. And I'm coming home right now. Right now, I'm coming home. And I'll serve you and I'll walk with you all my days. Thank you for receiving me. Thank you for loving me. I'm coming home. In Jesus' name.